your Bibles with me, if you would, to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, we've been looking at verses 1 through 11 for a little while now, and we're going to look at it at least one more time, we're going to look at it together this morning, I believe what we're going to see this morning will be a great encouragement uh, to many. I am very personally, I have been very encouraged by this study. I have been really blessed getting a better understanding of what it is that God means for us to understand about growing, about growing in grace and growing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus. This is really um, significant. American Christianity is largely um, shallow and weak. And this is true because of a lack of growth in the lives of individual Christians, which means there's a lack of growth in the churches, the local churches themselves, which means there's a lack of impact upon the community where those churches are. But in order for that to change, it really has to be an individual choice, a choice that you make. And what's really wonderful about what we're looking at together in 2 Peter is here in 2 Peter, God promises us that we can have growth. Not just growth, but healthy growth. That you can be sure, you personally, can be sure that there's a way for you to grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, if you go to the end of this book, go to the very end of this book, 2 Peter chapter 3, he's going to sum this up. The very last thing we're going to see is the summing of this up. But at the beginning of it, he's going to help us to understand how. But let me just show you this at the end. Ye therefore, beloved... Now, the beloved helps us to understand this is being said to those who already trust Christ, those who have trusted Christ for their salvation, those who have believed, as the song just was sung, they have run to the city of refuge and have found shelter in the blood and are literally new creatures. So here's what it says. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we have the beware, recognize that there, are, there is false teaching. There are those that are going to assemble together today in many places, religious buildings all over the planet, and they will be taught things that are not actually true nor helpful to them. One of the greatest problems in the world is religion. In fact, it might be the most serious problem in the world. False religion. People that say things that they say God says that God doesn't say. But what God wants you to have is His word on it. Not my word on it. In other words, I don't have any interest in standing before you this morning and telling you from God what God wants you to know. I have every interest in each and every one of you trusting God himself 
at his word. That's it. Simply. God wants, he wants to say to you, beware. There are many that would lead you astray for their own advantage, for their benefit. In, in other words, in such a way that they would somehow gain. But you don't have to live that way. You can simply trust God at his word, and then you will have God's power in your life. You will have God's promise in your life, and you will have God consistently at work doing what must be done. So that's, I want you to see that. Now, we're just going to take a minute this morning. We've been looking at this, um, the promises. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read a little bit of what John read. So it says in verse 4, Whereby are given unto us, so the divine power, we, we don't have time to go back over all of this, although this, this is the reason I, I mentioned this morning, I was asked this morning, uh, what were we looking at? And I said, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And the person said, so we're going to be in that passage again. And I said, yes, at, at least one more time. Um, and the reason that we're in it again is because it is important that we understand what it is we're looking at in its context together. The difficult thing about looking at a verse or two is you can lose sight of the ones that came before it and the ones that come after it. And it really matters that, that boy, I, I, I'm so disappointed in most of the preaching and teaching of the Word of God in America today. Just a couple of verses and an awful lot of opinion. But that doesn't do you any good. What does you good is when you can put your finger down in the Word of God yourself and say, I believe God at what he says right here. And in order for you to do that, that means that you have to be able to understand the context. In other words, what's actually being said. Not just a couple of words in the verse that could be used to say whatever we want to say. That's how cults are formed. But what does the Bible actually say? So let's just look at it. So whereby, so this divine power in, in, in verse, according to his divine power. That's verse 3, right? He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to, light, to, to glory and virtue. Whereby, because of this divine power and him giving us all things, there are are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these so by what by these promises we might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust my lust ruined my life our lust together have ruined the world that we live in. It has brought terrible corruption into the world. It is. Listen, you can blame that party or that party or that group or that group. You can blame whoever you want. The problem is your lust, my lust, has ruined this world. And only Christ has given us a way of escape from this. And so what it says is this. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world, that came into the world through lust, we... Now, by the divine nature, have escaped this. And because of that, he has given us exceeding great and precious promises that allow us to be different than we were before. Now, this is a really important truth. If I were going to title this message, I think the title of this message would be this. If you're not walking as you should, then know today that you could. Okay? If you're not walking the way you should then know today that you could. Because what we're going to find out is this. This is going to lay out for us, that by, if you're a baby Christian, if you're a young Christian, or you're just a Christian who's just really now saying, you know what, I'm done with lesser things. I do not want to walk the way I've been walking. I really want to walk seriously with God. I want to walk in such a way that God would get great glory in my life. Then, then good news. 
These precious promises are laid out for us. How God orders this in our lives. What it takes for us to be the man or woman that God would have us to be. This is laid out for us. So let's look at that. Here's what he says. So, and besides this, because this is true, because of the things we just looked at, besides this, giving all diligence. So here's where you put your energy. Here's where you put your effort. Stop being... uh, Uh, worrying about this and worrying about that. Stop all the secondary things. Don't worry about this and don't worry about that. Give your attention to these things is what he's saying. All diligence. So he says, add to your faith. Now, I don't have time to go over this again, but if you don't trust God, nothing, nothing in the list matters. Look at me. If you don't trust God at his word, the rest of the list is irrelevant. You must add to your faith. Faith simply means to trust God. That's all it is. Faith is the noun form of the verb believe. And both of them have one idea, trust. Trust God at his word. If you can't start there, the rest of the list is irrelevant. But if you can start there, if you have ever trusted Christ for your salvation, then this list is for you. If you have trusted Christ, genuinely trusted in the blood of Christ, not religious service, not baptism, not going to church, if you have ever trusted Christ himself for your salvation, then this list is for you. And this is what he says. Add to your faith virtue. And I'm going to go through it quickly. Virtue is moral excellence. And this is the way it works. When you were saved, there were things that just completely had to stop. Just like that. No more of this, no more of that. Again, I don't want to go, I, I, have a really, I have a really honest list of things that God dealt with in my life when I was saved. And I don't like to talk about them, not because I'm ashamed of them, although I am ashamed of them, but because I find that there's too much boasting on our previous life, too much bragging about what a terrible person I was and God saved me, but it's still kind of focusing on the person who's giving their testimony so often. Let me say this. I know my list, and I know that my list has really terrible things in it. And I also know this, when I was saved, these things ended. In my life, they ended. Many of them ended just like that. No more this, no more that. Some of them, God had to wrestle with me a little bit about. Some of them I wanted to justify. Some of them I wanted to keep. Lord, I don't think that this is as bad as you're making it out to be. And the Lord said, yes, and you're not as smart as I am. It is as bad as I'm making it out to be, and I need this to end in your life. Now, by the way, let me say this. You can argue with God, and he will prove to you that he's right eventually. The problem is it's a big waste of time for you to argue with God when God loves you and you don't love him. Do you understand? You just need to understand that the one who bled and died for you is the one that's telling you this is not good for you. So let it go. Let it go. And he's the one that gives the power to do this. Again, you can live in Romans 7 for the rest of your life if you want to. The good that I would, I don't. The evil that I wouldn't, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. But you don't have to live like that because you can walk after the Spirit instead of after the flesh. And God Almighty can accomplish in you what you cannot accomplish in yourself. But your conscience will bother you at the very beginning because the first thing that God mentions after faith is virtue. No more swearing. No more drugs, no more women, no more fighting, no more alcohol, no more whatever your list is. And, and those are all in my list. And, they're, and God conquered all of them. He, he conquered all of them. I'm telling you, he is more than enough 
for your life. Add to your faith virtue. So this is what he says. If you're willing, I'll get rid of these things in your life. I want to get rid of them right now. God, right now, God says. Not slowly over 12 steps. Right now. I want to get rid of these things in your life. And here's the thing. The, st- the 12 steps had failed me. But Jesus didn't fail me. And it inst- he instantly, instantly conquered it. Instantly. Amazing to me. Truly amazing the power of God to conquer sin in my life. Even when my flesh sometimes wants some of those things, his power to conquer those things is amazing to me. And it says, add to your virtue knowledge. And this is a remarkable thing. If we would humble ourselves, he would show us. But we want to, how would you say it? We want to prove to God that there was a little something in us that made it a good choice. Lord, you're going to be really happy you saved me. I know you picked me close to last, but you picked me, right? Some of you know years ago Tom Brady was drafted like, I don't remember where, like 780th or something like that. And when he met the owner of the team that he plays for, he called him by the wrong name. He called Tom Brady by the wrong name. And he corrected him. He said, no, no, my name's so-and-so. My name's Tom Brady. And he said, I know who you are. You are our whatever choice. It's like just putting it, letting him know who he was. And this is what he said. I'm the best decision you've ever made. Now, in his case, it turned out might be true. But in my case, it's not. Do you understand? In your case, it's not. God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen to me. There's nothing about you that's worthy of salvation. Nothing. Let it go. Let it go. God saved you because he loves you. Why God loves you, I don't know. But he does. So let him change you and humble yourself and let him teach you. So much growth is so delayed by pride. I want to have my knowledge added to what God says. And God says, your knowledge is not helping you. Let go what you think. Let me teach you from my word. Again, God's not saying listen to every single voice. He's simply saying open the word of God and let me show you. But if you won't humble yourself, he can't show you. The Bible's very clear. God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. So if you're going to meet God in your pride, literally, you can look up the word for yourself. The Greek word, I used to think it had the idea of kind of a stiff arm, right? Kind of the idea of a stiff arm. God resists the proud. In other words, he holds you at at arm's length. But it actually has more, more aggression to it than that. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. He actually knocks you away from him and says, you cannot approach me like that. You cannot approach God in your pride. You can't. If, but, and yet, if you will simply, how did he say? The two men standing there praying. One man says, I'm so glad I'm like this. I'm not like that guy there, right? I'm so glad I do these things right. I'm not perfect, but I'm so glad I do these things right. And the other man said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus receives that prayer, not the other prayer. So if you will humble yourself and say, I do not know, and I have no power, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Not who have their own, but who hunger and thirst after it. That's the blessed person. That's what God is telling us here. And add to your knowledge temperance. Man, I I know I don't want to go down this again. I really wrestle with temperance. Temperance is uh, self-control. Self-control means you don't get to do what you want. 
you know what, if you, if you don't believe that we want to do what we want, go to the nursery. Just go to the nursery and watch the nursery for an hour, right? I mean, it's amazing to me. I remember, I remember somebody, some, some, some sermon many years ago, saying that uh, it's amazing to watch a child in the nursery running around with a toy shouting, mine, mine, mine. And it's not even theirs. It was in the room when they showed up, right? So it's not even their toy. We only have a few rules in the nursery, but the reason we have the rules is so they don't hit each other with the toys, right? And you say, whose kids are those? Yours. <laughs> and they behave just like you. See, that's the thing. What God is saying is, once, once you are willing for him to take away the sin in your life, once you are willing for him to teach you the truth, then he says this. Now listen, you're going to have a propensity to explode in selfishness every now and then. Don't let that happen anymore. That's what it says. Add to your knowledge temperance. Stop insisting on having your way for a little while. It's ruining your life. And it's ruining the lives of those around you. And this is not something that just happens to baby Christians. This is something that happens to Christians all the time. This is why we must daily take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. Because we are prone to want what we want. That's what he's saying. After, after uh, temperance, again, we, we, you can go back and listen to these. They're all, we taught on these already. We don't have time to go over them. Add to your temperance, patience. And patience isn't just patience with each other. In fact, it's not even primarily patience with each other. It means to allow God to do what needs to be done. Whenever we have difficulties in our life, we pray for God to get rid of the difficulty. Instead of praying for God to reveal himself. Okay? The difficulty, listen to me, hear me. The difficulties in your life were not brought into your life so God could show you how he could get you out of them. The difficulties in your life were brought into your life so that God could show you how great he is in the midst of the difficulty. Do you understand? You would not know that Jesus could walk on water unless he walked on water. You would know, not know that he could raise the dead unless somebody had died. You do not have any idea how great he is until you're in the midst. And listen, it is so easy when it's somebody else that's going through it. Yes? Right? Somebody else is going through a difficult time. You can quote verse after verse after verse. And then you're going through that same difficult time and all you can do is cry. Not just cry, whine. Right? Whine like a child. Oh, get me out of this, get me out of this, get me out of this. And your dear brother or sister comes and says, I have some verses for you that you gave me a little while ago. <laughs> Here they are. And the thing is, those verses are actually important because they really are what God is wanting to accomplish. He's wanting us to see how great he is. That's what he's telling. So have, beside, once you, listen, such, a, it's so, such simple steps. When you trust Christ, the sin has to go immediately. And when the sin goes, God says, now let me, now humble yourself and let me teach you. Then stop insisting on having your way anymore. Stop blowing up. Stop having these little fits. Let me, let me win in your life. Then have the patience to let God bring you through the difficulty. Tribulation worketh patience and patience experience. Now the wonderful thing about experience is this. After you learn how great God is, the next time you go through something or the next time someone else goes through something, you can say, let me tell you about how great God is. Let me testify. That's what testifying actually is. Let me testify to how great God is. Let me tell you what I went through. Let me tell you. And listen, you're not just going to have some quote-unquote miraculous story. I love the people with a miraculous story. I should have been hit by a bus. If you tell that story one more time, I'm going to hope you do get hit by a bus. Amen? 
That's not the point. The point isn't to testify to you should have this and you should have that. The point is to testify to what God taught you from the word, right? The knowledge that he taught you during that difficulty. That's what God is saying. So he says, let me have the patience that I can teach you. And then to patience, um, godliness. And godliness, now this is, the, this is where you begin to grow, right? No more blowing up. No more sins in your life. Now you're living differently. Now you're living a Christ-like love. Now you're beginning to live the way God would have you to live. This is the change that God promises to make in our lives. Again, each one of these steps, God has to accomplish. You just have to let him. Each one of these steps is a promise from God. This is what growth looks like. Do you understand? This is godly growth. From no longer having your way, no sin, no petulance, no being a brat, none of this, to suddenly starting to care. Godliness is this. I start to care about others instead of myself. Actually caring about others. And from that, he says, from, from that godliness, I want you to have brotherly kindness. And that's us caring about each other. That's us literally living in such a way that the people outside the church would look at the church and say, that's marvelous. They are actually loving to each other. I mean, they're not just talking about it. They are doing it. They are actually caring about each other. They are actual selfless, selfless people. Praise God. That's it. And then from that to charity. And charity is that same love going outside the church. Okay? Charity goes from us loving each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, which, by the way, is a miracle all by itself. And you know it is. Because we are all, you know, uh, the ladies went on a trip to uh, D.C., 13, 13-ish, something like that, ladies in one van, okay? 13 ladies in one van. Could have been 13 men in one van. Could have been 13 young people in one van. It doesn't matter. When you have to ride in a van for many, many hours together over bumpy roads, you're going to bump into each other, right? You're going to start conversations where you have differences of opinion about this or differences of opinion about that, right? I mean, Daryl and I traveled together, and eventually the Yankees and the Red Sox. How's that going right now, by the way? I'm just kidding. Anyway, so, uh, and, yeah, I'm into football. <laughs> So, so eventually we're going to bump into each other. Listen to me. There must be a miraculous love in the church. Yes? You have to let it happen. And by the way, having your way is low on the list of things God wants to accomplish. Very early, no longer having your way. Otherwise, see, if you're having your way and I'm having my way, if you insist on having your way and I insist upon having my way, we cannot have brotherly kindness. We can't. If I'm going to be blowing up and you're going to be blowing up, we cannot have brotherly kindness. If I'm not going to have godliness and you're not going to have godliness, we're not going to be able to have brotherly kindness. But when God gives us these victories, then the world can see us love one another in the way that Christ wants us to love one another. And then we can take that love together as one body with Christ as our head and go and love the world around us. Amen? That's the point. Yes? All right, now from that, we're almost done, ironically. For if these things be in you, and what are these things? They're the list we just looked at, yes? They're the list we just looked at in 5, 6, and 7. Verse 8 says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren. And again, remember the word barren means idle. It's the idea of a field that has been left alone. If you do not mow your lawn, it will become a disaster. It will, be, it will go from being a lawn that needs to be mowed to a field that needs to be cut to the woods, is what it's saying. So what God is saying is this, if you don't have the Spirit of God conquering the wickedness in your own heart, it's going to be a disaster to look at. And all of us have seen people who are truly born again, whose lives are a disaster to look at. We don't want to be that. 
That's not what God wants for us. But, but remember what I said, if your life is not what it should be, then you need to know today it could be. Because this is the wonderful thing about what we're looking at. If your life is barren, if your life is unfruitful, because that's what it says in verse 9. So God's desire is that we not be barren or unfruitful. But verse 9 says this, and this is where we go this morning from where we've been already. But he that lacketh these things. Same list, right? Verse 8 says what? For if these things be in you, your life can be what God wants it to be. It doesn't have to be idle, and it doesn't have to be unfruitful. Your knowledge of Christ will actually be profitable for the people around you. Not just your knowledge. Not just look how smart I am. Look how much I know my Bible. But my life will actually be profitable to the people around me. That's what verse 8 is saying. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So this is what this is saying. If these things aren't in your life the way God wants them to be, then your life is going to be that field that God doesn't want it to be. And it's going to be a mess. What does it say? He that lacks these things is blind. Try talking to someone that's in this position, by the way. It's really hard to talk to somebody that's in this position. They cannot even see their real need. They will not be honest with themselves at this point. God wants to break through this. This is the promise of God. Remember, this book is about healthy growth. And you say, but my, my, my growth hasn't been healthy like it should be. And this is what God is saying. That's okay for me. I can conquer that. But you got to go back to the list, right? And add to your faith what? Virtue. The very first thing he said, listen, this is really important. The very first thing says, God says is this. If you have not been living the way you could be living, then go back to the beginning and let me get rid of the sin in your life that's ruining your life. Now again, you can't remove that sin. I couldn't remove it when I got saved. You can't remove it. You say, well, I was saved a while ago. I now have the power. No, you don't. No, you don't. You now have the Holy Spirit. And he has the power to remove that sin in your life. But you're still going to have to humble yourself. You're still going to have to say, Lord, this field is a mess. The life you have given me is not the life that I, the life that you want for me is not the life that I'm living. And God says, I can conquer that. Let me conquer that. Right? Add to your faith virtue. And then be humble enough to say, I don't know like I should know. I mean, obviously I don't know like I should know. If I knew like I should know, I wouldn't be where I am right now. God, you can make the difference in my life. What a tremendous, I love this passage. I've, I have been so blessed in the last few weeks as I've been studying this. You know, we're just now getting to verse 9, but this all goes so wonderfully together. The point is this, what God wants for us is wonderful. If we haven't had it, we can. That's what God's desire is. If you haven't had the will of God for your life to the depth that God wants it for your life, you can. Just be honest. Just be honest about what's lacking. And let God make the difference. That's what he's saying. He says, if we lack these things, we've got to be honest about the lack so that God can bring the presence of these things into our lives. And the things that God wants to bring into our lives are miracles. They are miracles. But he's a miracle God. And he's able to make the difference in all of our lives, individually, and then even together as one. You can get so, you can get so caught up you can get so caught up in your own selfishness that you can forget that you've been purged from your own sins. You can reach the point in this, in this walk, you can reach the point where you'll forget that you're even a new creature. And this is, I, I have met Christians who have, who have a testimony of salvation, but their 
testimony of walking with God is so terrible that they're not even sure that they're born again anymore. I don't know. I thought I trusted Christ at one point. Well, did you trust Christ or your own religious effort? Do you understand? Did you trust Christ's power to save you or your need to be saved? They're two different things. All of us need to be saved. But unless Christ saves you, then the church did it, or the pastor did it, or your mother or your father did it. That'll do you no good at all. Christ has to be your Savior. So be sure that that's true. And if that is true, then go to that same Christ. I remember as a baby Christian. Anybody anybody ever have sin in their life after they were saved? Anybody ever really wrestle with sin in their life as a baby Christian? I got saved. I was so excited to not do a lot of things. Then I started doing, I, started not, I, don't, I, 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 I don't mind testifying about it. In other words, it's not that I, 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 but I don't want to talk about it, if you understand what I'm saying. It's not, it may not be healthy for everybody to hear the things that I wrestled with after I was saved. There are many things that I didn't wrestle with at all after I was saved for that. But there were some things that I did. And I remember thinking, can I think this way and really be born again? But I knew this, I can't save me, right? If Jesus didn't save me, I'm not saved. You need to save me. That was it. I can't tell you how, how much I spent as a baby Christian saying this. If you haven't saved me, you need to save me now. Right? I need to be saved. I think I am saved, but if I'm not saved, you've got to save me. I can't save me, Lord. Lord, I need to be saved, I think. Lord, I need you to conquer this in my life. I need you to change me. And I was a very serious-minded Christian, but all Christians wrestle with sin in their lives. But Jesus conquers sin in the lives of Christians. But if you have given yourself over to those sins, you get to this point. You have forget that you were purged from your old sins. In other words, the blood of Christ has been applied. You're just not living like it. And there's hope for you. But the hope is to be honest. Yes? Because what it says is this. He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Well, that, whoa, 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 wait. Let's think about this. He that lacketh. It says in verse 8, if I have these things and they abound, my life would be in such a way that people would be blessed by it. But if I don't have them, then I'm not a blessing to everybody else. In fact, not only am I not a blessing to other people, I look so bad, it's hard to tell whether I'm even born again or not. Wherefore the rather, here's how to change these things. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. You, are you, and listen to this is what the Bible is saying. And I read this and I say, is God promising that if I'll be honest, he'll rescue me and keep me? And the answer is yes. Yes. You say, but my field is miserable. And I've been saved for a long time. I was saved as a, as a teenager. I was saved as a young person. I remember I, I was saved when I was in Sunday school. I was born again then, and I have not really walked with God as I'm supposed to. If you're born again, then Christ will help you. And by the way, if you're not born again, he will save you and then help you. So whether, you're, whether you were saved as a young person or weren't saved as a young person, you can be saved. And then the Christ that saves you is the Christ that will change you. And that's what he's saying. Now, what's really remarkable is notice how this ends. It says, give diligence, right? Diligence. Where where have I seen the word diligence before? It's in verse 5. So it says that this is in verse um, 10. Wherefore, the rather than brethren, give diligence. Well, if you go back to verse 5, it says, and besides this, giving all diligence. So because I am a new creature, I can allow God to make the change in me. Now, if I've not been what I'm supposed to be, then I can still give diligence and let God change me. 
It comes down to just whatever choice you're going to make. That's it. What do you want? What do you want with your life? And if the answer is, I want Christ to make me Christ-like, then let him. It's your choice. It is your choice. And there's no excuse. I have a hard time when I talk to people and they're like, well, I would follow Jesus, but that's a lie. If you would follow Jesus, you can follow Jesus. The only thing that keeps anybody from following Jesus is themselves. Period. Your own selfish heart is the only thing that keeps you from having all the will of God for your life. Because God is not willing that any should perish. God is not willing you should have failure in your life. God is willing to conquer anything, and he is able to conquer everything. Amen? All you got to do is be honest. And he says, so if you'll let me, I will, if you'll give diligence, I will make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. You can be rescued, though you be blind, not able to see afar off, and even if forgotten that you were purged from your own sins, if you will be honest, God will rescue you, and you won't have to live like this anymore. That's, isn't that a wonderful thing? I just want to say amen and go home. And if anybody needs this rescue, then receive this rescue. That's the promise. Now notice how it ends, and this is the end. This is such a tremendous truth. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you. Now you've got to put a circle. Circle ministered. Do this, please. Do this. It'll help you. Circle ministered, and then go back to verse 5 and circle the word add, okay? And besides all this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. That word add and that word ministered in verse 11, they're the same word. They're the same Greek word. So this is what God will say. This is what God is saying. Listen, this is so wonderful. As, as excited as God is about making this change in you, he is that excited about you coming to heaven with him. Let's look at it together. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? As it, listen, as excited as God is about making the change in you now, he is that excited about you coming and being with him forever. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? Listen, what he's saying is this. Let me change you now. And I promise you, as excited as I am about changing you now, I am that excited about welcoming you into heaven someday. Isn't that amazing? And this is, listen, right, we've all heard the song, uh, I Can Go In, right? You know, I'm not a martyr, right? I'm not one of the mighty prophets. I'm not a great man of God. I'm aware of that, but by the blood I can go in, amen? Yes? And, and, and who would have ever thought they could be shouting and hallelujahs when we go in? And the answer is God thinks so. God thinks so. The same God that is able to change you now is looking forward to you coming into heaven to be with him. Amen? Now listen, that being true, how would you want to live any other way on earth now? How is it possible you'd want to be an unkept field here on earth when you're going to heaven to be with Jesus when this is all over? Amen? God, conquer these things in me. Let me not lack these things. Let me not have a want of these things in my life. You make the powerful difference in my life. I can't wait to be with you. Amen? I can't wait, by the way. I, I am so looking forward. I hope you are. I, it, it puzzles me. It, I mean, it truly puzzles me when people say things like, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but not now. I think, what do you want to do instead? Right? Well, you know, the Red Sox are playing in the World Series today. They might win their fourth in 15 years. That's spectacular. You would trade watching that game for going to heaven? I don't think you understand heaven. You understand? Well, you know, I'm a young person. 
I really want to get married and have children? No, not that much you don't. Honestly. You're going to trade that for heaven? Well, I've had my eye on a car for a while now. You're going to trade that for heaven? What do you want? The Apostle Paul said to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. There's nothing on this earth that should keep you from wanting to be with Jesus. But if you're here, you're here to minister to others. If you're here, you're here so he can make such a difference in your life that others can see what he's done to you and say, hey, can he do this to me? And you can say, yes, he can. And they can trust him also. Amen? That's it. And And when that work is over, we'll go home. But while we're here, let's be the men and women God would have us to be. And let's recognize, again, I want to end with verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered. Again, you, God says, let me add these things in your life. I want to add this thing to your life. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? This is what God is wanting to accomplish. God is so wonderfully wanting us to be with him. He wants to change us now so that we can be the men and women he'd have us to be now. But that's not what it's about. It's about going to be with him. That's what it's really about. It really is. What God wants you to understand is this is just for a little while. We've got to go to work, right? Anybody go to work? Okay, I don't know. What, let's, say, let's say you get off at 5. I don't know what time you actually get off. Let's say you get off at 5. 4.45. What's 4.45 like? 4.45 is like this, 15 more minutes. And I won't be here anymore. I don't imagine there are very many people here who 4.45 is coming around and you're like, oh man, I gotta go home. I was so much enjoying work today. Now I gotta stop all this work and go home and be with my family. It's terrible. It's not how we feel. It really isn't how we're feeling. Understand this. We, listen, it really matters. The Bible teaches us that if this is it, if, if, if life on earth is all there is to being a Christian, then we are of all men most miserable because we are living in a wicked world and we still wrestle with sin every day. Amen? But this is not what life is for us. This is just work for us. This is a day's work and it'll soon be over and we'll be with Jesus. Amen? But while we're here, don't be lazy. Don't be that unkept field. Don't be living selfishly. Be the man or woman God would have you to be by his power, for his glory. And I'll tell you, it is not terrible to walk with God. It is wonderful to walk with God. It's the next best thing to being with Jesus in heaven. Amen? Walking with God here is the next best thing to being with heaven. But it's not being in heaven. It is wonderful to walk with God. But this is just a foretaste of what it's going to be like when we get there. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that you, we have seen together this morning in your word. Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified through your word in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd accomplish in every single life here that which you want to using your own word. Lord, you have the victory that we all need in your power. We thank you for this and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.